Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. With the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, ages of all ages, Amen. In this wonderful event today in the Gospel, the people were struck with fear. They feared the, the event and what they saw. They wondered at what happened. They said, a great prophet is among us. They said, God has visited his people. And this visit that they acknowledged is, uh, has been the truth since the beginning of time. The Lord Jesus, in his great love, in his greatness for humanity, in his great love for humanity, has been preparing us for this great visitation. The greatest visit ever. The greatest visitation of all time. And we saw it happening from the moment Adam and Eve fell, that the Lord visited his people. He entered and they felt his walking in the field in the cool of the day. This is God's visitation. And God continues to visit every generation from one moment to the next. So this is the scene, right? The raising of the widow of Nain. God has visited his people. So we want to understand why does God visit his people? Why has God visited His people? Now, what's the point of this great visitation? What's the point of us celebrating it and thinking about it? So, first it says, and this was the words of John the Baptist, and he acknowledged these words when he saw the miracle that happened of the birth of John the Baptist. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has... I'm not sure what that is, sorry. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And again, a visitation for redemption. Again, what does that mean, a visitation for redemption? We think of the words, and the moment the Lord Jesus arrives to this coffin and touches the coffin, this is the greatest visitation. Could you imagine the joy and the awe that the mother of this boy was struck with when she saw what happened? This is again the visitation. Again, the word visitation comes up regularly throughout Scripture. In 1 John it says, For this purpose the Son of God has manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Why did He visit? To destroy the works of the devil. From the moment Adam and Eve fell, destruction entered or sin entered into the world. Corruption entered into the world. And it caused an immediate decay of human nature, of humanity. From the beginning. So the promise of the, the coming of our Lord was a promise of eliminating this destruction. The Lord came to destroy the destroyer. The Lord came to remove destruction and corruption from our lives. St. John says, St. Paul says in Hebrews 9, He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. This is why He appeared. Why did He visit? Why this great visitation? So that to put away sin. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now we think, what is the mean for someone to sacrifice himself? No one can, again, do this effectively except God. No one can do this properly except God incarnate. God, man, 
infinite, sinless. That only combination is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord himself said the words when he spoke after the restoration of Zacchaeus. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, so these are all examples of why this visitation. What is the purpose of the visitation? To destroy the ways of the devil? To seek and to save that which was lost? To restore man once again to the place where the Lord had created him to be in. St. Paul goes on to say in that passage in Hebrews 9, he gives a very powerful explanation to this meaning. And he basically calls us to make a decision based on how will you and I receive this great visitation. He says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. And you see the, the power there. So man is appointed to die once. And that death could continue depending on how this individual receives this visitation. I mean, the visit, it's like someone you invite, a very important guest that is invited to your house. You can choose to stay in your room and not greet them. They could stand there knocking at the door for hours and you refuse to welcome them in. This is happening regularly with the visitation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Regularly. He himself has said that in Revelation, didn't he? I stand at the door and knock. He opens to me. He, he puts that in. You have to open. I don't mind standing there. The Lord is telling me and telling you, I don't mind standing there knocking on the door till I come again. I'll stand there and knock. No problem. But sooner or later, you have to make a decision. Are you going to open the door? Or are you going to stay inside and leave me out? It's totally your, your, your decision. The visitation is there all the time. The choice to open the door or not is there also all the time. And But that choice remains strictly with me. This is for me. The Lord is willing and the Lord is always knocking. So Christ was offered once, right? The redemption on the cross was once and for all. That good Friday or that great Friday was the redemption once and for all. Now, St. Paul puts that emphasis on eagerly waiting. Are we eagerly waiting? I mean, this mother that saw her son in the coffin leading him out to burial had no hope in anything, right, at that moment. But at the moment Jesus arrives, there is a joy that happens. When I, depending on how I greet and see who Jesus is. So, am I eagerly waiting? Again, you've heard this countless times. We pray the Lord's Prayer many times a day. And we say very important parts and requests in the Lord's Prayer. One of the most important ones is, Thy kingdom come. Ask yourself the question, when do you want the kingdom to come? You want it to come now, tomorrow, next week, next month, in a year, not in your lifetime, because you don't want to witness? When do you want the kingdom to come? Ask yourself the question. But when we say thy kingdom come, we are basically saying now. We're not saying, well, I'm, when I'm ready. Right? When someone you love says, I'd like to come over, you don't tell them, well, I'm not ready. You greet, yeah, please, yeah, please the door is always open, you would say. So those who eagerly wait for him, will, he, for them he will appear a second time apart from sin 
for the, the judgment day, but for salvation. For those who will say, Amen, finally. Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. So, I ask you and I ask myself right now, please, let's combine efforts. Let's combine our prayers today during liturgy to ask God to ignite in our hearts an eager waiting, an eager desire for His coming, for Him to appear for us a second time, not for sin anymore, not for judgment, not for given accounts, but for salvation. Be able to say those words as many have said, Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus, to desire that. But there has to be a preparation for it, a constant telling myself, let me prepare for that moment now. St. James was telling us today in the Catholic Epistle, he says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. Are we willing to endure while eagerly waiting? You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Do you see that point? That this is the end intended by the end intended by the Lord has been prepared for from before the foundation of the world. And that's what he says, Come to me, you who blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. This is that's the end intended by the Lord. When God created humanity, the end intended by the Lord was salvation. That was the end intended by the Lord. Everything that happens in the process, the good, the not so good, everything, was intended ultimately to lead us to salvation. And that's why St. Paul says all things work together for good. Everything. Even something that may currently look before me as a very difficult tribulation. It is intended for my salvation. It's not intended for my destruction, as the devil would hope it to be for. St. Macarius tells us, and again explaining why this great visitation. He says, think. St. Macarius is telling us, think. How great is your dignity, since God has moved with his own army of angels and spirits to enter into battle with the adversary in order to redeem you from death. God, therefore, came for your sake. He would have come for my sake only if I was the only one here. He would have come for you only if you were the only one here as well. St. Anthony tells us, for our sake, again, the Father in His benevolence did not spare His only begotten Son, but delivered Him up for the salvation of us all. And that's why St. Paul says that God desires that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, this is throughout Scripture, as we were saying earlier. In Jeremiah chapter 29, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. The end intended by the Lord is good. The end is intended by the Lord is good. He goes on, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Again, that is the end intended by the Lord. And then the next verse right after it, in verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. I have to ask myself, Lord, I'm not sure if I'm seeking with all my heart. I'm not sure if I'm eagerly waiting for this coming. I mean, this mother, again, watching her son in the coffin, watching him being led away for burial, was eager for anything to save her son, anything possible, to bring her away from this ultimate grief, from this death. This is exactly the visitation of the Lord. 
Man being led to, to burial. That's the end. And that's what in the Old Testament we call the ministry of death. The ministry of the Old Covenant was ministry of death. You live, you sin, you die. That was it. But with the sacrifice of the Lord Himself, with the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, we go from you live, you die, but you live again. You continue to live. If we choose that path. So, St. Peter gives us some advice and he tells us, Beloved, he causes his beloved children, I beg you, he says, as sojourners and pilgrims, reminding ourselves that we don't belong here. We don't belong here. Sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Gentiles meaning the world. Have your con conduct honorable. You have no idea how many souls could be attracted to Jesus from your honorable conduct. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. There's a day of visitation. That visitation has been planned for good and intended for good. St. Paul tells us, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more the, day, as, the more as you see the day approaching. Again, that great day of visitation. You remember this scene? What is this scene here? What is this scene depicting? Anybody recall? The Mount of Olives, yes. And this is, yes. When Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he's looking up at, from atop of the mount, looking at the, the city of Jerusalem. And he, it says here that he looked at the city and wept over it. It says he wept for the city. Know for sure that the Lord weeps with us and for us in our difficulties. Surely the Lord is looking upon the world right now and everything happening from east to west and north to south and weeping. Now why was he weeping? What did he say here about Jerusalem? I'll take you to Luke chapter 9 and a little excerpt of the passage that talks about this scene. It says in it, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, the day of visitation, if you only would have known why I am here. That's why the church emphasizes so much the day of the Lord. We call Sunday the day of the Lord. St. Paul says, don't do as the manner of some. There are some that have basically diluted the day of the Lord as any other day but Sunday is not any other day the church from the day of resurrection onwards has told us do not forget the day of the Lord do not forget to assemble on Sunday as a reminder for that memorial it's not enough for example to say I will go to Sunday school on Sunday I will attend a meeting on Sunday Sunday doesn't start at 11 a.m. in the church schedule. Sunday starts in the morning with the liturgy, celebrating the day of the Lord. This is very important. It's not just about the services or ministries, but about reminding ourselves every time we eat of this flesh and drink of this blood, of this blood we remember Him till He comes, till that second visitation, that final second coming. And then He goes on to say, because, and why did he weep? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
You did not know. You did not consider. You weren't aware of the day of your visitation. The day is coming. The moment is coming. It's not meant to be a condemnation. And it will not be a condemnation to those who eagerly wait for it. Those who eagerly wait for it. So the Lord tells us today. It could be today. In St. Paul's words, he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. St. Paul quoting the book of Psalms. Do not harden your hearts. If you hear, use today for today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Today is for today. People say, well, life is good. Let's live life. Let me enjoy today. It's the weekend. Let me enjoy my weekend. Fine. But life is good, but there's something even better than life itself. What is better than life itself? Eternal life. Life is good. It's nice to have a nice full life. I live 50 years, 100 years. I buy, I sell, I travel, I go, I come. Wonderful. Life is good. But eternal life is better. And that eternal life is determined greatly on how I eagerly wait for that second and eternal and second coming and visitation of our Lord. May God grant us, and let's pray again for that, to eagerly wait for Him. Eagerly wait for Him. And expect Him with a prepared heart. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.